something about the church and the building. You know, and it, it reminded me of how grateful I am. You know, that we have a beautiful building like this, beautiful cafeteria, office upstairs, children's church next door. You know, really blessed to have this building. You know, and I don't think God would have given us this building for nothing. And what he's done over the last 30 years, he's continuing to build on, and the momentum's coming. You know, and you can feel it. You can feel it when you talk to people in the world today. I don't know about you, but people are far more interested in what God's got to say. And what God has to say has far more credence in people's lives these days because what they've put their trust in is failing. That's not the good news. Okay? That's not the good news. The good news is that, you know, we've got the word of God and, you know, at the end of the day, I believe that God wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be fulfilled. You're only going to fulfill what you're filled full of. Hey? You're only going to fulfill what you're filled full of. Okay? So what do people say you're full of? <laughs> Not you, Pastor Robin. I don't trust God. Okay? Full of God. Yeah. And that's my, that's my message. It's about fulfilling, but it's funny because the, the song that they started with Amy, love it, and it says only he will satisfy. Only God will satisfy. Only God will satisfy. So, Lord, I thank you, Father God, Lord, that... Yeah, you have got a fulfilled lives for us, Father God. Lord, you've got a plan and a purpose, Lord, that has not changed, Father. Lord, that you are for us, you're on the move, and we're moving with you, Father God. You're leading and guiding us. You're empowering us, and you're revealing and showing us, Father God, Lord. Showing us, Lord God, what we're called to be as people, Father. And so we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to start off in Genesis 3. Um, I used this scripture last time I preached, and I'm sort of running out of stuff, so I thought I'd reuse it. Nah, nah, it's a great scripture, great scripture. Genesis 3, okay? So it starts off in 3.1, and it talks about the serpent. So the serpent, eh, the snake, represents the devil. Yeah? So it says here, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. More cunning. Look at that word, cunning, crafty, you know, deception. And we all know that that's his main tool. We all know that, that deception is his main tool. He's deceived people into thinking that, that God's not real. He's deceived people into thinking that he's their mate and that he's a good guy. You know, there's a lot of deception going on in this world, and it started from here, okay? So it says, Now the serpent more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Has God indeed said to you, Shall you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, the woman, Eve, already knew that God had said that. The serpent knew that God had said that. So why would he raise it to create doubt, to challenge God? And that's what he does all the time, to, to cause confusion and deception and every tool that he can bring. And that's what he was doing there with that subtle little thing. I get it all the time. Oh, you go to church. Oh, is that really working? Oh, is God really real? Is he good? You know, people trying to create doubt in your mind. And God is who God is. He is who he says he is. I believe in him. But you see, the enemy is very subtle. He's not, he's not very uh, clever, but he's very subtle around how he, how he comes about you. So even in that little that text there, it doesn't sound that bad, but the motive behind it is to question your faith and to question God's plan for your life. Goes on into Genesis 2-3 and he keeps on going and he creates more doubt. He said to the woman, the woman said, sorry, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it. Okay? And then it goes on to the to Genesis 
Genesis 3, 4 to 5, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So now he's challenging, saying, Look, God's withholding from you. Man, he hasn't got your best interests. He doesn't care about you. He's withholding from you. The thing I find really interesting in that is that they only knew good and evil. They only knew good. It says, eat of the tree and you will know good and evil. They only knew good. There was no evil. But with the moment that that happened, evil had access to man. Evil had access to man. And then we go on to Genesis 3, 6. Okay? Come with me, guys. Come with me now. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. You know, I look at that, even though it looks good, even though you can do it, there even may be some benefits to it, but you may still not be in the will of God. If you, you look at the apple, the apple was made to eat. It looked good. It was made to eat. There was even benefits from it, but it wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will. You know, um, in 2 Corinthians 11.14, it says Satan comes as an angel of light. Satan masquerades as if he's good. And that fits his MO. His MO is deception. So he masquerades. I love that word masquerade is to pretend you're something, to walk around pretending you're something, and then what? Deceiving people. You know, here's the point that I want to get to, though. Every tree, that whole garden in paradise was Adam and Eve's, bar in the midst of the garden. I think it's representative of man's insatiable appetite for desire. You think about it, every tree in paradise, still not enough. Still not enough for man. Every single tree, and, and, and we can be like that sometimes. You know, it's almost like man can be impossible to satisfy sometimes. A lot of the time he's trying to fill himself with the wrong things. He's trying to fulfill himself with empty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hang on a minute, I'm just going to have a chat. I don't know what's going on with these guys today, mate, but you need to have a word to them, okay? All right. Every single tree, every single tree, they were still not satisfied. Still had to have that midst of the garden tree. Could have had every other tree. You know, it does show me that man is, is, is hard to satisfy, you know? And if I look at it, look at the world. Knowledge. Man is always wanting more and more knowledge. More and more and more knowledge, man. I, I thought I'd cracked it when I got school C. I was happy with that. Yeah, I got school C. Don't look at me like I didn't. Hey, some of you don't believe me, eh? I'm bringing it in next week. But, you know, here's, here's the thing, though. Man, after knowledge, he wants what to know everything in the land, everything in the sea, everything in the ocean. He wants to know everything. Never enough. More, I need to know more, I need to know more, I need to know more. Technology. Technology, never enough. Man, I thought we'd cracked it when we got talking toilets. Hey, all of a sudden, we've got cloning, we've got AI, we've got some danger. When does technology stop? When is it enough? When does man's desire for this stop? And what is he trying to fulfill? He's trying to fulfill the need for God with empty things. That's what he's doing. Man. You know, and then there's wealth and power. Wealth and power. Billionaires. Billionaires, still not enough. Need to make more money, more money, more money. The reason why is because they're trying to fill a God need with material things. And it's never going to work. 
That's never, and, they, and here's the thing about it. They may think it's satisfaction, or we may think it's satisfaction, but it's actually distraction. You know, we get distracted by the satisfaction, by seeking the desires, chasing things of the world. You know, when will it be enough? You know, when will we be satisfied as a race and go, you know what, we're pretty comfortable, everything's going all right, let's just put our money into the earth and looking after each other. That's not going to happen in the world because that's not the way the system's designed. You know, more money, nicer car, bigger house. Got a scripture for you, Philippians 4.11. This is Paul speaking, and he's speaking to the church. And he says, he, he praises them for being concerned about looking after him materialistically and financially. But then he says, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so you have done well to share with me in the present difficulty. Man. It's not about it's not about our material stuff, you know. My brother and I just buried our best mate about a week and a half ago. Fifty-three years old, died of a brain tumor. Been spending time with him every week, you know, in the last couple of years. Do you think he cared about what car I pulled up in? It's looking pretty rough, Pastor. Robin. No, it doesn't run that well. But he didn't care what car I pulled up in. He didn't care what clothes I wore. He didn't care about my haircut, although it did look good. Oh, but he didn't care. You know what I mean? The materialistic things don't mean anything when it comes down to it. When the real true things of life hit you, God even talks about it. God says he will trust you with the true riches. The true riches of life are the spiritual things. He's comparing it to money. He doesn't even consider money a richness. But you know, our mate didn't care. Our mate didn't care what we had, didn't care how much money we had in the bank or we didn't. What, what mattered was that we knew Jesus Christ. What mattered was that we could take hope, hope, life, light, and love into the situation, that we could speak wisdom, that we could speak the word. That's the true currency of life. Man, he didn't care about whether I had a flash clothes on or anything. It didn't mean anything to him. And in, in, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean something. You know, fulfillment these days, it's all materialistic. You know, we've got a young generation with the most entertainment ever in the world and they're the boredest generation we've ever had. Can you hear me? Hey, the boredest generation that we've ever had, yet the most entertainment. TV 24-7, Netflix, YouTube, entertainment, gaming, everything. And yet we've got a bored generation. Why? Because they're not getting fulfilled from that. It's, not a, it's, it's, a, it's a distraction, not a satisfaction. Hey, hey, and don't get me wrong, man, about gaming and that. I love a bit of gaming and that, but it's within. You've got to put it into context, you know, because everyone, the materialistic stuff is all about our external happiness, you know, and that doesn't always translate to our inner happiness. It doesn't always translate to it. You know, you think about it, peace, joy, love, respect. You can have all the money in the world, but you, you can have none of them. You can be a billionaire and be lonely. You can be a millionaire and be depressed. You can be the owner of a CEO of a business and, and no one will love you, no, have no peace, no joy. You know, the one thing that stood out to me when we buried my mate was the amount of people that came and shared and loved and shed tears for him. Unashamedly, that was the value of his life. That was the yeah, he was a great sportsman, yeah, he worked hard, yeah, he did this. But it's, it's the essence of man. 
When the rubber meets the road, it's the essence of man. Everything else will fade away in comparison. You think about it. Right, I'm getting back to Adam and Eve now. Okay. Yeah, this isn't something. So Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, okay? So when Adam and Eve sinned, okay, when they ate the apple, and I want to explain sin. I love Rich Tamumu explained sin to me and he said, um, it's everything I do. No, <laughs> he explained sin to me and he said, he explained sin to me and he said, it's we, you disagree with God. Man, I love that. Where you disagree, because let's be honest, when you hear sin, I don't know about you, but you go, no, no, not me. Not me. And then you start realizing, actually, there are some areas that I'm disagreeing with God on, because I'm not perfect. Otherwise, I wouldn't need Jesus. Hey, you know? But it's just areas that we disagree with God on, okay? And, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, you know what happened in the garden, eh? They went and hid. They hid from God. They hid from God, okay? And let's be honest, we do that these days. Sometimes people hide from God. You know, things go wrong or we do something wrong, we muck up. You know, and so just like them, we can hide. But you know what? It's not our job to reveal sin. It's not our job, eh? It's not our job, it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal sin. We don't condemn and we don't condone. That's not our job, we're not called to do that. Because I can tell you right now, guilt and shame and things, that's not God. God will convict you, but he won't condemn you. You know, our job is not to condone or condemn, but to speak life, light, and love into the situation. We are called to tell difficult truths in a loving way. You think about it. We are, when you're confronting someone around God and you're talking to someone about God, you're basically telling them to change their whole life, to make a 180 turnaround from everything they believe and change and believe. That's got to be said in a loving way. It's a difficult truth. You have to be humbled. I got humbled. I got humbled big time. You know, everything I thought made me a man when I came to God meant nothing. Nothing. It's all, almost like I had to start from scratch again, learning what a man was. You know, I think I'd made my mind up at 12 years old what a man was, and I didn't change it. You know? And so it's a humbling experience. So we've got to realize you've got to say it in a, in a, in a loving way, you know? Genesis 2.25, it talks about them before sin was revealed. They walked around the garden unashamed. They waltzed around paradise like they owned the place. They, they walked and talked with God every day. They just loved, you know, there was no shame. There was no guilt until it was revealed. You know, it reminds me of, um, you ever watch those border control programs? The, the, at the customs where they, they stop people the, and that, and you, you, if you've ever watched their program, I watch it quite a bit. I quite like it. I'm hoping I'll see a mate, but, um, they, they bring them through and you, it's so funny because you see the camera and you see everyone holidaying, all the holiday mate, all the business people and they're walking through casual wares. And then all of a sudden you, son, you see the guy, 20 kilos of drugs strapped to him, you know, and he's sweating and he's nervous and he's anxious and he's walking through customs. And you can see a mile away. Without even being a customs officer, you can see the signs. You can see the signs. Eh? It reminded me one time, I travelled to the USA. Okay, so this is in 2006. So it was after the 9-11 thing. So it was pretty full on. And um, I had to get a visa and I got my visa and went over to America. And it was the first time I'd really been out, you know, way, way out the country. And it was a really big thing for me because I had a lot of, um, convictions, and so I had to get them sorted to, to get a visa. 
And so when we went over there, my boss just kept giving me a hard time. He just kept giving me a hard time all the time. Oh, you're going to get pulled over. You know, you get pulled over. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to get pulled over. And so we get there and I get pulled over. Interesting their airports too. Because like, man, big. Americans are big race, man. Like real tall, real big. And they all had guns. Like they all had big like automatic rifles and that, you know. And I was sort of freaking out. And so I'm going through real nervous and, and I get through. Oh, sweet. You know, I'm fine and that. So we're all good. And then my boss is like, oh, they'll get you on the way back. They'll get you on the way back. So on the way back, we're going through and we get to the, you know, the, 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 where the belt is, you put your stuff on and you've got to go through the, the check thing. He's talking to me, giving me a hard time. And he's going, oh, you're going to get pulled over, you're going to get pulled over, him and a ball. And while he's doing that, he's missed that you've got to take your shoes off. So we take our shoes off. So, it, so I walk through and he, the guy, oh yeah, sweet, goes, and I'm oh, cool, I'm through. It's to me. My boss goes to go through, but he's got his shoes on, okay? So he goes to walk through, and I'm not joking, I'm not joking, this big, huge guard just out of the blue just went, sir, sir, stay where you are, do not move, sir. And my mate, he's real straight, he was like, what, what? Didn't even know it was him, so he goes, oh, why is that? And they went, your shoes, sir. Your shoes. So he starts trying to take them off. No, no, sir, don't touch your shoes. You know, I'm, I'm at the other end. I'm sort of like trying to walk away. And then um, I, I, I see him. He, he's going, he's going, oh, my passport's in the, in the, in the, in the bin thing in there. And next minute, the, the guy's so militant, they drag him off. They take him. They take him off. And I'm like, Where's? and then I, I, he's like yelling to me, hey, Rich, can you grab my passport? I don't know you. I'm just walking away. And so, so next minute, I get out the other end and I'm like, where have they taken him? You know, to me, Guantanamo Bay, I don't know. You know, I'm like, where have they taken him? So I get around the other side, and when I get around the other side, there's these two big perspex walls about that far apart, and they go like this long, and they'd herded everyone into these. So you're in this plastic thing like a sheep pen, and they've herded him in, and he's in this line. And as I come around the corner, you can see them all in the perspex thing like a zoo. And um, and he's banging on the window <laughs> trying to get my attention. And I just had to ignore him. It was for the best. No, it was for the best. I, I had to ignore him because he get done. But, you know, I look at that program, and it reminded me of me when I was young, walking around with 20 kilos of sin strapped to me. You know what I mean? The weight of it. The weight. Because... Let's be honest, we learn right from wrong at a very young age. And even if you get away with it and you think that your heart's seared, it weighs on you. It weighs on you, you know? I remember I used to carry a lot of shame, you know, around the drug use and that. That's why I used to hide it, you know? And I used to, I always used to try and hide it from people because, it, because I was ashamed of it, you know? And I felt guilt. And you walk around with it, but it's not ours to carry. You know what I mean? It wasn't mine to carry. I wasn't designed to carry that. You know, this is one of the problems that's happening in the world today and why young people are getting so anxious. They're worrying about the world. You know, in my day, I'd walk down the end of the creek and if it was a bit dirty and there was a bottle in there, I'd I'd pick the bottle up. These days, young people are being raised worrying about the whole sea, global warming, everything. You know, they know every issue and every problem everywhere all at once. There's so many problems that young people are aware of that they have is outside of their control. So what starts happening? You start worrying. You start getting anxious. You start fearing. You know, and we're not designed to do that because that weight over time will become a burden that will crush your spirit. We're not designed to constantly be in a state of worry, fear, anxiety, things like that. We're not. That's why God says, cast your cares onto me. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight. it says, Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I shall what? Give you rest. I shall give you rest. The thing I love about that is God doesn't say, hey, come to me with your burdens and I'll take them from you. God says, come and I'll work with you and get you through it. You know, I used to pray all the time, Lord, get me out of this. Get me out of this. Now I pray, get me through this. Sometimes it's the hard stuff that I've got to get through to get to where God wants me to be. Then I've got to discern the Holy Spirit as well. But, you know, I feel sorry for young people these days. You know, there's just such a weight you know, in that scripture, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, I, I mentioned they talk about a yoke on an oxen. Now, the yoke is what used to link the oxen together so they could pull. You all know that synergy. So one might pull 10, 1,000 kilo, but two of them together will do 3,000, you know. So what that scripture is saying is work with God. Jesus is our co-laborer. He's with us. He works with us. Don't take all the weight. Jesus wants to carry some of that for us. Hey. And what happens is Jesus takes it and then we take a bit back. You know, we cast our fears and then we're like, actually, I'm still a little bit worried about that. I'll take that back. Cast it on to God. We're not designed. We're not designed to carry it, you know. And here's the thing. If, if we get crushed, we can't function in the flow of God. How do you function in the flow of God when you're, when you're, when you're down and you're, you know, or, or you're worried or you're under, you know, it's a distraction. The enemy tries to start little fires of distraction so it takes all our attention off God and puts it on the problem. God is the answer. Yeah, we can't function in the flow of God without it. John 7, 37, it talks about rivers of living water. Actually, I'm going to read the actual scripture. Have a, oh, hang on, have I got it? Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, it says here... For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Oh, no, that's not it. Oh, yeah, okay, thank you. Ah, that's it. Hey, that's it. Mark, Matthew, they're all, yeah, mix me up. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow. So that's God flowing in and that's God flowing out. If you've only got him flowing in and, you, and it's all good for you, then we become stagnant. The, the fulfilling of a Christian is the in and the out. It's not just the in. the in. The in's cool, but unless you're putting it out somewhere, then it's not the flow of God. Rivers of flowing, flow rivers of living water in and out. You know, you've got to flow in, you've got to flow out. Wax on, wax off. It's the, it's, that's how it works. If, if, you're only, if we're only coming here for ourselves, then we're just getting entertained. Ooh. <laughs> hey, hey, we're just being entertained. This is not about me. This is about the lost and dying world. Amen? So, James 1.22. We're almost finished. You guys have done really well. You've actually looked. No, nah, you, you've actually looked almost interested. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> like, there was a time through it that I was going, they may like this. Oh, that's, how, that's how interested you are. So, anyway, here we go. James 1.22. It says, be doers of the word, not just hearers, lest you deceive yourself. You can't just hear the word, you've got to do the word. You know, so the fulfilling, the fulfilling of God is hearing, then sharing, hey, and knowing and doing. It's not good enough just to know. Knowledge itself isn't wisdom. Knowledge and action is wisdom. Whew. Feel like I'm teaching something today. Whoa. Hey. Sounded pretty clever if I don't say it myself. Yeah. 
So here's the thing. Because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my walk of life, it hasn't been fulfilling. And it's been because I've been looking in the wrong places for fulfillment. It's because, so here's an example. I'm fulfilled with work. I love my new job. I've got a new job. I love my new job. I'm really fulfilled with it. But, but what? I don't get my sense of being a man or a Christian out of that. I get fulfilled for work out of that. How do I get fulfilled? I don't get fulfilled. It's not fulfilling just coming to church. Don't get me wrong. I love church. The fulfillment is what, what I'm going to do with this word now during the week. Who I'm going to encounter. Who am I going to impact? Who, whose life am I going to speak into? What atmosphere am I going to change? Hey, that's you. That's you. So I've got four points. Oh, yeah, I've got points. Yeah, yeah. I made points because um, I was talking to someone. They said um, that my messages were pointless. So, uh, <laughs> so I thought I had some points. Nah, I never. I wasn't very good at the points and that. You know, the one, two, three, and four. But I've got four today. Okay, and the and the best part, they're real quick. Okay, so this is just in finishing. I believe that this is for someone, or you know, multiple people. But yeah, stop regretting the past. Stop regretting the past and getting hung up on it. You've been released and set free. In Christ, all things are new. Hey, old things are passed away. You know, you can't get hung up on it. You know, for me, like I shared before, I used to be a really bad drug addict in that. And I shared it at the, at the funeral because it was a bit of a thing with me and my mate. And someone come up to me afterwards and, oh, you know, about shame. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not ashamed of that because God has broken those chains. He set me free and he's turned it around now. You know, I go and speak in the prisons now. I go and speak at rehabs now. You know, so all of a sudden, God can even take the bad in your past and make something good of it. So stop regretting the past and stop living in it. The next thing is stop worrying about the future. Have you noticed that? We spend so much time in the past and so much time in the future. Regretting things and worrying about things, regretting stuff that didn't matter and worrying about things that will never happen. So stop worrying. Worry is interest paid in advance on a debt never due. You don't even owe that debt. That worry is you paying interest. Matthew 6.34, it says, don't worry about anything. Why worry about tomorrow? You've got enough worries today. Then he talks about the birds. That only, he doesn't clothe them, feed them, but they're fine and content. You know? Actually, I will use one scripture here. Um, oh, sorry, no, it's next year. So, Matthew 6.34. So stop, stop worrying about the future. It's never as bad as you think. Never as bad as you think. You know, the worst things that have ever happened in my, in my life, um, most of them haven't happened, and the ones that have, God's got me through. Amen? Right, here we go. Three, stop seeking external happiness, and I've also put a slash approval. Okay? You know, true, we, we need true satisfaction, and at the moment we get a lot of distraction. We get distracted by stuff, you know? And we start seeking all this external, you know, like, oh, if I only get that job, if I only have a nice car, if I only, if I only. Got to stop seeking external things. It's, it's internally, internally. Listen to this scripture. This is a beauty. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See that? Now may the God of hope 
fill you. Fill you internally. Fill you with your spirit. Not fill you from the outside. Not fill you from the external. It's a flow. It's what we said before. It's an overflow. God should be in you and overflows out of you. I've had times where God's just flowing out of me. I've had times where I've had to feel like I've had to dredge down the bottom of the barrel and pull something up. Hey, I thought it was just me. Hey, but I do, you know. So we've got to be in the overflow. The over, and, and I'll tell you what comes with the overflow, the love, the peace, the joy. When you're dredging something up, it's hard work. Amen? And here's the last one. Stop underestimating yourself. Stop underestimating ourselves. We're children of the most high. We're more than enough. We're called. Isaiah 43, 1-3, I love the scripture. But now thus says the Lord who created you, the Lord God who created you, and he formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Man, if that ain't good enough, nothing will be. Nothing will be. We've been called as children of the Most High, redeemed, called by name. God knew my name. God knew my name before I even thought of him. God knew he'd have a wife for me. Family, work, everything that I'd ruined and lost when I was young, you know, and hadn't worked on. And God, what, redeemed me. He redeemed me, so he restored me. Mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go over it. Stop regretting the past. Stop worrying about the future. Stop seeking external happiness or approval and stop underestimating yourself. Mate, I'll tell you right now, I'm the marketing manager for the Browns. And if you believe the blurbs I write, mate, we're amazing. Okay? Hey. But that's the thing. But here's the thing too. It's not all huff and puff. When I have to do something, I do it. You know what I mean? But I always, I like to talk it up, but that's just my style. And it may not be your style. You may be like nice and humble. Okay? May not be your style, but you can still talk yourself up inside. Speak about what God's telling you. God says you're more than enough. You're more than conquerors. You're head, not the tail. You're above only, not beneath. You know, th- these are the things we need to start speaking ourselves because the world will try and pull you down. Amen? So, Lord God, I just give you thanks and praise, Father God. Lord, I thank you that you are a fulfilling God, man. Lord, you are a fulfilling God. And, Lord, if we don't see what you're doing, then we're missing something, Father God, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you are the one hope of this world, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you are becoming more and more and more and more and more needed, Father God, Lord. And I thank you that your light, Father God, Lord, is drawing people by your goodness, Father. And I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for the plans and purposes of each person here that will be fulfilled. I thank you for the vision of this church that will be fulfilled, Father God, Lord. And I thank you for you and the plan that you have for this nation, Father God, Lord, to be fulfilled. And I thank you that we have the honor to be used as your earthen vessels, Father, as you allow your spirit to flow in and out of us, Lord God, to reach a lost and dying world. So, Lord, I give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.